Welcome back to Soulback. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here with Tom and Ed. What's going on, guys? Uh, what's going on, players? What's up, guys? I'm just over here eating a complete cookie. You know what that is? Ugh. Tom was giving me an education on the complete cookie before we went on air, but please enlighten the rest of us who don't like eating sand. It's a vegan cookie, and it has a lot of protein in it. And, uh... It tastes a little bit, yeah, dry, <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> is, pro- is it like a protein bar? It probably tastes like those gro- uh, the grossest version of a protein bar. No, it tastes, it's meant to taste like a cookie. I'm eating snickerdoodle here. It actually tastes a bit like a cookie, but if you eat it too much of it, you'll, make, you'll feel like you want to throw up, though. Ugh. Well, yeah. <laughs> wait, Just cut wait your losses and eat the calories. Tom, you're saying there's a whole lot of protein in it? Is there a whole lot of goodness? Because it doesn't sound like there is. I mean, I have no idea, actually. I just know it's vegan. <laughs> All right, then. Um, <laughs> you have Tom, fun have, with that. <laughs> Tom, we have a lot to talk about this week, but can we give Ed a shout-out? He turned 40 a couple of days ago, and Ed, can we give... I mean, Tom, can we give Ed a shout-out for that backdrop at his event? That was kind of cool. The Bowser logo. It's awesome. Well, yes, and that was really cool. I'm not officially 40 yet. Um, the wife threw me a surprise party that was based and inspired on the Grammys, and they had the backdrop with the Bowser logo and the Solar and Stereo logo, and they had a birthday cake built like Bowser's Castle from Mario. Players, wow. I would have loved it. It was off the chain. And both of my boys here were part of the big surprise where my wife had gotten in touch with my friends from our state across the country and Kyle's place in another country and got them to submit video greetings and just showing some love for the folks who couldn't be there, which was a real cool surprise. So shout out to my boys. Soul back was in the house last night. I am still half asleep because I got home like 3 a.m. So, wow, it was a night. I'll tell you what, man, Ed, your wife is a keeper for doing all this. She hit up me and Kyle, asked us to record these videos. And, man, I've done probably, I've recorded 500 interviews. I've interviewed that many artists, you know, on film and over the phone. And this was probably one of the most nervous I ever was recording something, believe it or not. (laughs) Wow. Well, it came out really well. Both of yours did. So, like, really honestly, because I haven't done this yet, just to thank both my boys for coming through with that. It was a really cool night. And good to see my boys representing as well. Absolutely. Hopefully you saved us a piece of that ice cream cake. Or <laughs> I have to take the video back. Well, there's plenty of it left. Come get some. I, I had some right before we got on the podcast. And thankfully, it wasn't a complete cookie. Nice. <laughs> Now, guys, it's been a busy week for R&B. I actually spent most of it watching Nivea interviews on Vlad TV. Tom, I know you were really excited about those interviews. <laughs> oh, God, man. I've actually never watched a Vlad TV interview. Can someone give me the basis of, of their style of interview? Easy. Have you remembered this thing back in the 90s? It was a thing. It was a big thing when I was in college, and it was called the Jerry Springer Show. Have you seen that? Oh, oh my goodness, yes. It, imagine that. Except it's an interview form where artists that we know and love, instead of talking about the music they love, talk about all the drama and garbage and fighting and foolishness that they've done in the past few years. 
Damn, Kyle, when man, did, we messed up all these years. We should have been see? doing gossip we from the day one. We would have been huge. Yep. <laughs> Maybe Nivea wouldn't have turned us down three times if we <laughs> just offered her the opportunity to come and talk about Lauren London instead of her new Duh. album. But who she are was. we? <laughs> Uh, on a side note, I think Maury is still, uh, that show still exists. Can we give him a shout out? Yeah, Maury still comes on. I, it's one of those things that I'll randomly watch if I'm not at work. But and we all have our guilty pleasures, so leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ed, is one of your other guilty pleasure oh, YK Osiris? Which, Tom, last week, wasn't Ed defending him, calling him his boy? What? Yeah, I remember that. Obviously, something has happened in the past seven days that caused both of you to lose your mind. Put down the bottle, both of you. <laughs> no, well, let, let, let's let's rewind here. So last week, YK had tweeted out, who's listening to the album, and everyone was trolling him. And we couldn't understand why, but a week has gone by, and everything is starting to unravel. Oh, Tom, boy, now I understand why. Is he a troll, or what's going on here? I mean, we're a week later, and I still don't understand where this guy came from, but the label is playing this perfectly, having him do the typical tricks these days to get attention, trolling, calling people out, making outlandish statements, and hey, it seems to be working. What do you think, Ed? Clay, I didn't, Kyle sent me some video that I watched earlier today, and this guy just pulls out a stack of cash and is like swinging it around. I'm like, what is going on? Can you... Do you know three songs from your album? Can you, Mr. YK Oatmeal, tell me what's the hot song from your album? No, but he can take out a stack of money and talk about how he's the king of R&B. What is going on? It kind of makes you... sense to me, though, if you think about it. No, it, it makes like sense. There was a, no, like the whole marketing plan. Like there was, a, I was asking last week, how did he come out with an album? But if you think about it, there's kind of a void... Of in that King of R&B debate, which we keep talking about, and there was room for someone to come out and start throwing shots and making a name for themselves. Boom. Well, yeah, uh, unfortunately, I hate when I have to agree with you. Remember last week when we talked about how Jacquees could make these claims of being King of R&B as long as no one challenged him? Because he would go at, you know, the veterans, the established guys, the Keiths and the Tanks, and they're like, I don't have time to converse with these uh, an eagle cannot see, envision what a caterpillar sees. Shouts out to Nas <laughs> for that one. So it's wow. not like they're going to waste their time worrying about what Jacquees is rhyming and rapping about. So they ignore them. So if there's this guy screaming that he's the king and no one's challenging him, everyone just accepts it. So here comes this other random new dude that's like, oh, Jacquees isn't the king. I'm the king of my generation. And now we have this debate, and we have all these people going at it again, and we have free publicity for an artist that 90% of us never even knew until last week. Hmm. Yep. Ed, didn't you listen to the album recently? I did listen to the album. And here's the thing. It's not a terrible album. It's one of those... And if I was a Def Jam executive, and he came and auditioned, and he gave me some demos... I would see the potential there. He almost sounds like, this is weird, but it's like a weird mix between Lloyd and Bobby Brown almost. And I know that makes no sense, but as I listen to the tracks, I would get either or from either song. So there's like a something there, 
But the album is just so typical. Uh, shout out to our boy um, Troy Taylor who produced a couple songs. Those are some of the better songs on the album. But most of it is the usual turn up, the usual auto tune is unnecessary. So it's just like a paint by numbers 2019 R&B album. But if he had tried maybe some different producers or a different direction or had like some sort of concept, it could have been something. But it's just a 2019 R&B album. Absolutely skippable. <laughs> now, Tom, funny in a week, Jacques has gone from being the bad guy of R&B to the savior. And I say this because, number one, Someone even more outlandish has claimed that they're the R&B king. But have you seen Jacquees' Instagram recently, Tom? He posted <sighs> pictures of every single R&B male act from the last 40 years and gave them a shout-out. Everyone from Stevie Wonder to Genuine to Chris Brown and Trigger. Can we give him some love for that? He could have paid us a few thousand bucks. We could have put that list together and posted it all for him, man. But that seems so contrived at this point. It doesn't even feel authentic. Come on. I even saw Carl Thomas being claimed as a king on Jacquees' page. I mean, we love yeah. Carl Thomas. That's our boy, but come on. I mean, it's just, to Tom's point, it's so contrived. It's so fake. Everything feels so fake, and that's why I'm so annoyed with R&B right now. Like, can someone at least give me an album? I said a couple podcasts ago, this almost 2019, about to run out. We're about to go into a new decade. I have not given a single R&B album five stars in the past, I don't know, decade. I don't think in the past decade. I think it's been like in the last decade. Player, somebody give me some heat. I'm tired of the fake beefs and the silly Twitter wars and the flashing cash on weird radio shows. Give me some content and not just something to trend on Twitter for half a day. Hmm. Well, Jacquees King of R&B album is out November 8th, so maybe there's that. And then Ed Tank's Elevation will be out this week on the 25th which we'll talk about next week we got an advanced copy but let's not spoil it for the people yeah i won't but, spoil and, it but i got some things to say next week player <laughs> well let's give the people a preview is it better than savage yes or no it is better than savage and that's yes. we're gonna leave it at that i'm um, gonna leave it at that <laughs> all right uh so one more question for you guys here tom uh, YK didn't make a statement that I, I actually think is kind of true. Do people still listen to Bryson Tiller? Uh, I was thinking about him the other day. I mean, it's not that they don't listen. I just We haven't really got much new from him. Is that right, Ed? I don't really follow Bryson Tiller, to be honest. I don't follow that dude either, but no, he has not really done too much. I think he was having some issue. He was some, in the news for something not music-related, I'm sure. Someone will hit me up on Twitter, E.T. Bowser, and tell me what it is. But <sighs> the ridiculousness of it all is that we are at a point where we're talking about Bryson Tiller over these guys. What is going on, player? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, let's be honest. He probably was influenced by Bryson Tiller, but, he, but the label forced him to call him out. Somebody, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if I want to blame the label or him or if it was his idea, but again, all of the what we've hearing in the past two weeks feels so manufactured. It seems like a storyline from Empire. It's so ridiculous and fake. And I'm sure that Jacquees and other guy are calling each other after every tweet laughing about it, looking at their follower count and go up. It's just so, it's so contrived. 
Yep. Yeah, you know what? Like when Jacquees did it last year, I was like, okay, this is a brilliant marking strategy. It's kind of dumb, but you can't hate on that guy. But with YK, he's just copying what Jacquees did, and it's like hmm, I've already seen this before. Now it just seems very, very calculated. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see if Jacquees puts out a good album. Uh, I think we're all on the boat of probably not, but we'll have to <laughs> see. But well. there were some there were some albums that came out this week that uh, I want to touch on here. Tom, our boys Claude Kelly and Chuck Harmony, we interviewed them last week as well. They dropped their album, finally. Oh, and man. America. The three, yep. the three people on Twitter that actually listened to the album are going nuts. Oh, my. Come on. Don't I'm just that. kidding. <laughs> that was Ed's timeline. He said Twitter's Yo, going nuts. Yes, I'm, I'm serious. And I know it's like, oh, you're three people. But at least the three smart people I follow, and it was more than three. It was actually pretty. <laughs> it was good to see that there were several... R&B fans very excited about this album and I'm very excited as well it is a great if if we wanted to salute Bruno Mars for example for doing the new Jack Swing early 90s stuff a few years ago this one feels more like early 80s synth heavy R&B I really like it I can understand some younger fans might not like it because it feels I wouldn't say dated because it doesn't feel old and stodgy it's definitely a nostalgia trip though so I really, really like it. There's really some diverse sounds in it. There's even one sound song that sounds a little country-inspired. It's a really diverse project. Great writing. They actually have bridges. The songs last longer than two minutes. It's a full-fledged R&B album. And in my opinion, easily one of the top five R&B releases of the year. Check it nice. out. Nice. Nice. I'll be honest with you. I checked out this project, and when the bridges came on, I'm like... It was almost foreign to me because I haven't heard Bridges in so long. So, Louis York, shout out to them for bringing Bridges back. Um, nice. Tom, another project we have to talk about is Nicole Buss, signed to Rock Nation. I actually interviewed her a couple of months ago. Shout out to Common for uh, his tour manager telling me I couldn't say hi to him. But uh, oh, I actually checked out, <laughs> I checked out the project and she flipped a lot of 90s samples. And Tom, you'll be excited. She flipped a Nas sample. Um, which one? Was a rock which cam. one? I don't know. I don't listen to Nas, but on to Nas later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll figure it out shortly. But um, this album, I actually really liked it. Um, a lot of familiar samples, and Nicole can sing. She has that raspy, soulful voice. Uh, check out the song Rain. I thought that was a really well done one. Our girl, Lachelle Wallace, said it sounded like a Sade record. So that mm. was cool. The only thing I'll say about the project is that her voice, although it's really good, it's not really distinguishable. So it almost kind of came off as generic to me. But the music is really strong, and I would say it's probably one of the better releases of the year as well. So you guys need to check mm. that one out. Yeah, I, I hate put to that say, one on the list. I hate to say it, but whenever an R&B artist comes out who's making a more traditional-sounding music, I always have to ask the question... Why did they get signed? You know, what was the label's plan? What were they thinking? I, it's just, it doesn't add up because that music doesn't sell these days. I'm happy to hear it. I just don't always get it. Yeah. Um, I can't really answer that one. She's not even from the States, though. She's from, like, the Netherlands. So maybe she was big over yeah. there and they signed her off the success of it. I know she was on The Voice in uh, in the Netherlands back in the day. So she probably has a strong following. Hmm. Uh, Tom, some exciting news. Vivian Green is signed to SRG now. Uh, just fill us in on what's going on there. 
SRG is uh, the label Sono Recording Group. Um, our boy Tim Kelly is the head of the urban department, I believe, over there. They've been snatching up a whole bunch of R&B artists we love from the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, Sean Stockman, Brian McKnight, Raheem Devon, Bobby V, Avant. So that label right now is kind of the place to be if you have that sound that was big in the late 90s, early 2000s. And um, that's that's a good signing. Vivian will be working with Kwame, the producer, once again. She did the last two albums with him. He kind of gave her a new sound. So it should be uh, a cool thing when her album comes out later this year or early next year. Nice. Yeah, those two have really built some nice chemistry together. So I'm always hyped when those two are back together. Absolutely. Um, Ed, another artist that signed to SRG is Sean Stockman. Haven't we been waiting on his solo album for like a year? Where is it? For a year, probably we've been waiting on that thing since when did Mr. Holland's Opens come out? Like 97, 98? We've been waiting for that thing for 20, 30 years. So yeah. it's long past due for a solo album from him. And we've seen him pop up in the past few years pretty regularly. He had the EP last year that I thought was excellent. He's had some good um, cameos and duets. He's on Tank's new album, as you mentioned, not long ago. So he's making appearances. So it does seem... That he's ready to finally drop that solo LP, and I would love to have him back. He hasn't lost a step, so let's see what's um, up. Hey, bad news for you, though. When they sent out the Vivian Green press release from the label, Sean mm-hmm. Stockman was not mentioned as one of the artists on the label, so oh, there might be really? trouble in paradise for that album coming out. Yeah. Oh, my. Here we go again. <laughs> well, Tom, I'm going to speculate here, and this may or may not be true, and we might get in trouble for this, but I believe there's some issues with the label due to the fact that they want Sean to get Boys to Men to promote his solo career, and I don't think Sean wants to do that. He wants to keep the two entities separate. So, Tom, I'm going to throw it to you because Stokely is going through the same situation where Mint Condition doesn't necessarily promote Stokely's music. He keeps those separate. Should yeah, should I- it be cross-promoted? But I mentioned this to you, the difference with Stokely was he went all the way in on the solo project, and he didn't continue doing shows with Mint Condition. Like, he took time away from the group. If you look at Sean, I believe he's still touring and doing a lot with the group. So he's not really, you know, carving out the space to go full speed with the solo project. Um, I think it makes sense for the group to to promote it. I mean, why wouldn't they? It's one of their founding members. Um, I I just don't know the situation he's in. But Stokely, I mean, I haven't really seen, I don't know, maybe you've seen differently, Ed, but I haven't really seen in the in the branding. They're not saying Stokely of Mint Condition. Um, I don't think I've really seen Mint Condition promoting him too much, but he's actually made a strong impact. People know him. I mean, people know Stokely, and especially that voice. No question. He's one of the most renowned voices of, really, my generation of R&B, so the past 30, 40 years at this point. So I agree with you, though. I have not seen him at all promoted as... Stokely of mint condition like we would see like artists like Lil G of Silk like we usually when you see something like that even there's a contractual thing going on or they're still trying to do something with the group and I'm not saying that like they beefed and he broke off or anything like that but it does seem like Stokely is doing Stokely so it is interesting that we hear this about Sean and I'm not sure what's up with that but I would be I would be dismayed, but not at all surprised if Sean's project is once again stalled. Mm. Just speculation, though. We don't know. 
Yeah, you I, know I what mean, though? Um, oh, go ahead, go Kyle. On. Well, I was gonna say I think, and this is just me on my A and R stuff. I think if you're signed to a major and you were previously signed to a group like Cisco was, I think it's more doable and possible to um, brand yourself as just a solo artist without mentioning the group. But if you're an independent artist, and I know SRG is distributed through Universal, but I'm just going to call them an independent uh, uh, label because essentially that's really what it is. You need all the help that you can get. So if you need Boys to Men to promote the project, I suggest you do that. It's not like back in the day where Cisco, even though he had so much success with Drew Hill, he had a monster machine behind him with Def Jam. So it is different here. Hmm. Um. Another weird thing, though, you know, Stokely is the voice, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if they have an, a you know member of the group who can fill in and take over the lead vocals, but I don't even believe the group has been touring since he started doing his solo work. So it's a little weird to me. That's a weird dynamic because it's almost like everything else goes on hold once he puts out his solo project because he's been doing solo shows. I mean, I don't know yeah. if people have really talked about this, but Mint Condition. I just browsed their Twitter page. From the past year, I haven't even seen them post any show flyers or anything. So it's kind of weird that Men Condition has now faded to the background. It's very weird. And it's more weird that we just haven't really heard anything about it. A lot of times you'll see a artist go solo or branch off and do some stuff. And it's like, oh, the group, we're still here. That's our boy. We're still doing our thing. But they've kind of quietly faded into the background while Stokely is doing his thing. So I don't know if... The group has decided, all right, y'all, we going to chill. And Stokely was like, well, since y'all chilling, I'm going to do the solo thing or if it was vice versa. So it's a lot of unanswered questions, but definitely some weirdness. Well, hold on, guys. I'll put it to you like this. If Mint Condition without Stokely was to hit the road and, I don't know, they brought, I don't know, Jay Holiday to sing the vocals, would you guys go? Hmm... No. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, I mean, Stokely plays a big part in that group. So, well, I mean, it is interesting. Like, to, as Tom said, it's a little different than, you know, if you went to see the original members of Drew Hill and one of the members were gone because you still had other members that had key roles in it. When it comes to mint conditions, Stokely is the voice. Everybody else is the band. It's hard to kind of recapture that magic when the voice itself is gone. So... It's a weird dynamic. Yep. Yeah. But back to Sean Stockman. I hope he actually drops his album. Um, again, this is all speculation. Wink, wink. On why his album hasn't dropped yet. But we shall continue to wait. But Tom, some more SRG news. Brian McKnight dropped his new single. Yeah, it's it's pretty solid. I kind of liked it. It's a little vibier than I'm used to from him. He's kind of been going more towards that more modern sound. I think it's it's a cool song, though. Did you hear it, Ed? I did, and I agree. I liked it, too. I didn't... I felt like I said this about another single recently, where it's a song that I, I liked. I didn't necessarily love as, like, a hit single, but if it was an album cut, it would be one that I would definitely revisit pretty often. If it was in rotation, if I had the album on shuffle or something, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I like this song. So it's a, it's a solid effort. It's no, you know, any time or anything like that, but it's definitely something that... At this stage in his career, I wouldn't mind an artist of his tenure putting out because it sounds modern, but it's still true to its sound. Now, guys, at this point in Brian McKnight's career, is his audience still 
as big, like his following. Like who has a bigger following right now, Tom? Him or Joe? Hmm. That's a good question. I'll tell you what's interesting though. I mean, Joe has really killed it touring recently. He's been part of some bigger show, bigger lineups and tours. And I think what helps Joe, Ed, I'm curious to hear your opinion. He's very elusive on social media. He, he's not always out there. I don't know if you guys have checked Brian McKnight's social media, but every other post is like a tribute to his wife. It's kind of getting old. I mean, I, I love to see love and all that, but it's it's a little bit overboard. But Joe rarely ever posts. And I think it's kind of helped him because people want to know where he's at. He's come up with some strong albums over the past few years. So that's my point. That's my point of view on it. Uh, well, I think with Joe, um, I would, if I had to compare, and this is just, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm just kind of going by vibe and um, conversation and things like that. I feel like Joe might have the stronger reach. And that elusiveness that Tom is alluding to probably plays a little bit into it. But Joe also still, he's out there regularly. He's not like off the grid and no one knows where he mm-hmm. is. He's doing the thing. But he isn't putting out a lot of new music. I remember his last album, he kind of proclaimed would be his final. We'll see about that. But he has been wise enough to keep a little bit of a low profile, so there's a little bit of mystery, but still remain a little bit of profile so he can get out there and still do what he does and sell seats and move tickets. Brian, as we know and we've talked about on the podcast, Sometimes he talks a little bit too much on social media, especially about his family stuff, good and bad. And I think it burns out the audience in some cases. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case all the time, especially with him. But we knew the drama that he had with his family, and we know how 2019 is. When it's a little bit of social media drama, it blows up and it easily overshadows your music. So I think that is one thing that has kind of hurt Brian a bit more. Nobody has ever, when has you ever heard any Joe drama ever about anything? Mm -hmm. No, you haven't. Yep. Yeah, I don't think Joe has even been in in a publicized uh, relationship before. I don't think he's ever talked about being in a a relationship. Joe keeps, he's been very low about everything. And I think that just adds to his mystique. Plus, who cares? Like, why why do we need to know every time your favorite artist, like, eats a hamburger? Like, it's fine. <laughs> I want a little bit of mystery with my artists. All right. Well, this is sort of mysterious, which is Sunshine Anderson's promotion of her new single, Level Up, which is out, which is out now. This is her first single in, like, nine years. But uh, the song, which I think was actually pretty cool. It was, like, two minutes long, but it had some decent flavors to it. But uh, her way of promoting it was posting it on her social media with the caption, Guys, I need you to tag your favorite blogs and outlets so we got tagged and i was like all right time to post it on the site so i guess that's effective wow i'm not mad Uh, at it it's not i feel like you can't like depend on that but we talk all the time on this podcast on how people drop albums whole albums will drop out and no one will know and like how does no one know that this whole album is out but at least she's smart enough and savvy enough to see like this is how it's gonna work Hey guys, push it out. I would have liked if she or her team had directly come in contact with the site because then you can kind of have a harder push than just have somebody randomly tagging you, but better than nothing. Hmm. Right. And Ed, exciting news for you. Deborah Cox is set to drop a new single next week. 
Um, I didn't realize how active she was on social media as well. She really interacts with her fans all the time. But, Ed, new Deborah Cox, is that exciting to you in 2019? Oh, yes, yes, my original baby mom. Yes, come on through, Deborah. She is someone <laughs> who is long overdue for a new album. I mean, I think it might be... Man, when was the last time she dropped an album? Was it... I don't... Was I living in Birmingham, or was it that album that dropped in, like, 08? It's been a long been time since long. we've had... Crazy. Yeah. And she's and it's not like she has been inactive. She's been touring. She's been doing Broadway. She's been doing the thing. So I really, really, really want to hear some new music from my girl because them vocals are still impeccable. Hmm. Now, Tom, I've got a question for you here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Usher was recently in the studio with LMA, and Justin Timberlake was recently in the studio with Lizzo, and I think Meek Mill. Shout out to Ed. Um, <laughs> are these desperate moves or are these progressive moves by Mr. JT and Mr. Usher? Each day that passes is looking less and less likely we're going to get that new Confessions album that was promised to us earlier this year, guys. <laughs> I'm just saying. You don't say. Jermaine you Dupree was say. adamant that it was coming. And I'm blaming Usher. Once again, I'm blaming Usher. What's wrong with LMA? She's R&B. I mean, it just pisses me off when this is not only not his own generation, this is the current generation, which is like three generations removed from his generation. So, like, why not just collaborate with someone from your own generation that's talented? Why does that have to be the one of the biggest names out right now? You know, it's like, it's just annoying. <laughs> Don't see, we've talked about this before. I'm not that upset. When an artist collaborates with a newer artist. I get upset when they collaborate with an artist that does not match their sound. If Deborah Cox comes back up in here doing a song with Young Thug, I'm going to be pissed off. If Deborah Cox comes up in here and tries to do a song with, I don't know, Kevin Ross, I would be intrigued. I'm like, okay, what's up with this? Because they have a song that's a little bit, I don't know, comparable. Than just slapping on somebody to get the, the youngins involved. So I'm not mad at theory if it's used with sense. And a lot of time, it's not used with sense. My, my so. counterpoint, though, is like there's so many dope female, female artists that are from Usher's generation that we would love to see him do a duet with that we've never heard, you know? And like it would be a. I even remember um, My Boo with, with Alicia Keys. Like that was a dope yeah. duet. So. Like, why can't we get some more of that? You know, someone... There's plenty of artists we've never heard him with before. You know, who I mean, I are from be, his own. I mean, he could do a track with Maya or somebody. Like, I mean, that would be interesting because it's a familiar... They're from a familiar generation and it's new. Like, that's cool. But, again, if... it doesn't, I don't feel like it has to be either or. He could do Maya and have a joint later in the album featuring LMA. I don't care. My more issue with Usher, as we've seen with that horrible A album... And that horrible Hard to Love album is that he's 40 years old in the club smelling like cool water and leftover chicken that's been sitting oh. under the hot lights just up oh. here trying to be 20 years old again. Sound yep. like your age. That's what I'm saying. Yep. See, that's my point, though. He didn't pick Ella May because he thought she was like the dopest singer he could do a duet with. He chose her because she's one of the hottest things out right now. Well, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, there's strategy to it. Like, that's just that's just business. But the strategy has to make sense with your sound. Her with Ella, him with Ella, okay. Him with, I don't know, some of these other people, I don't know about that. 
So you Fair don't want enough. another Usher and Gunner song? No, absolutely not. Let's move <laughs> on from Gunner. I didn't even like that uh, that Summer Walker song that y'all love so much. Oh, Summer Walker. Great album. And <sighs> it's grown on me tremendously. Oh, really? That's you can. Go, there are lots of things that grow on you that you can go to the doctor and get removed. And this should be... Ouch. Oh. Damn. Ouch. Um, now, what about Justin Timberlake collaborating with Lizzo? Tom. Ed loves Lizzo. I Ed like does. Lizzo. Yeah, I like Lizzo. Why? Can someone <laughs> explain to me this? Can, can you explain the phenomenon? I think, and see, here we go. This is the part of the podcast where I say if you have beef, go to E.T. Bowser on Twitter. Because you know how I hurt feelings. <sighs> Let me talk about Lizzo and get everybody mad. Lizzo has been around for years and years and years and years and years. My wife has been listening to Lizzo for like five or six years. This Truth Hurt song that everybody loves. Player, she was playing that song when we were driving to Virginia like three Christmases ago. Song is old. The reason why Lizzo is hot now is because her sound, her look, and everything else just matches the social narrative that we're pushing right now. We are all about empowerment. We're all about, you know, women with strong voices, blah, 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 blah. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because it's not a bad thing. But her music just coincides with the wave. So the wave is we're going to ride this wave. And unfortunately, it doesn't have anything to do with a talent. Because if it was just based on talent, all these songs that y'all playing, you would have heard them five or six years ago. So right now, we riding Lizzo because you think Peace told you to. Sorry, that's kind of the real on that. I'm glad yeah. she's here. I like her. But she's just part of, unfortunately, a kind of manufactured narrative. And I know y'all going to twist it up and tear me up. And you shouldn't because I already said she had one of the better albums of the year. But I'm just spitting facts. I'll well, ta- tell you what, well, ta- though, Kyle. Hmm, what happened? I'm, I'm, I'm giving Justin Timberlake a pass because his collaborations in the past to me have never seemed to be out of desperation. He seems to know what he's doing. So for me, he gets the pass. Did you forget about the song Soulmate? Didn't he like drop his song after Man of the Woods and it like just died? What was Soulmate? No, I remember the song, but was it the, was it the collaboration? No, but I was just saying, I think he dropped that song... Um, I don't know what for, but uh, it didn't really help him either. <laughs> well, you're no. asking me if I'm going to get on his case for doing a collaboration with those two. But like I said, his track record to me speaks to more of someone who's in control of, of their music and what they're doing as opposed to someone who's just desperate and jumping on the hottest thing out. Hmm. Usher. Well, working with Meek Mill and Lizzo leads me to believe that this album will probably be more than just production from Timbaland and the Neptunes. Which is not necessarily yeah. a bad thing. It, it could diverse his sound, but that's risky. You could also fall into that trap. Trap. Well, we heard I mean, that Supply song. We know what happens when he falls into Trap Trap. A whole bunch of trash. Listen, Ed. I mean, let's, that, su- that Supply song was ahead of its time because a year later, that Old Town Road song, it has the same production. So Pharrell was on to something there. Pharrell was on to something there. Pharrell was on to some kid in his basement who made a YouTube beat that everybody ran around with because they made funny memes from. And they don't really like the song. They just like to joke about the song. Pharrell can do better. Hmm. <laughs> Timberlake's got, got some pressure on him, though, this next album. Because the last one, people weren't really feeling it. And mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Flops, and back-to-back flops. You can't have that happen. 
Yes, that is very true because unfortunately in the music business, we are very what have you done for me lately type audience, which I've always thought is very unfair. So it doesn't matter how many five star albums and classic songs he's had before. If he drops one dud, oh, he sucks, he fell off. Because we're already (laughs) having these conversations. When I dropped my 30 best albums of the year list a week or two ago, and I had his 2020 album on it, and everybody's like, oh, he's trash, he fell off. Like, the, but the album is good. Oh, but Man in the Woods. Man in the Woods isn't on the list. What are we talking about? I'm talking about the one album in 2013 that was good. You're talking about the one last year that wasn't. Why are we having these things? People get stuck on the latest and forget about everything that came before it. It's very weird. Ed, I, would, I need you to simmer down here. I hear the Janet Jackson fans slithering in the back. They're waiting to attack. <sighs> oh, they, they attack... Once a week, they come for me. I'm ready. Can I just say one thing, guys? And you can send this to E.T. Bowser as well. Can the Janet Jackson <laughs> okay. fans just move on from this Justin Timberlake fiasco, please? Oh, my goodness. R.I.P. to your DMs. Yeah. <laughs> but, Tom, one thing that we are getting over, because Pharrell is getting over it, he, made it, he did an interview recently and says he's not proud and he's embarrassed by some of his old work. Now that he's aware of the Me Too movement, so Tom, you can delete blurred lines off your playlist. You can delete oh those all God. those great Jay Z records that the Neptunes did, "Hot in Here" by Nelly. You can take them all off. How do you feel about that? I I love how people needed the Me Too movement to come out to understand that um, putting women in that type of a light was a bad idea. I mean, are you serious, Thank Pharrell? you. Thank you. <laughs> come on. <laughs> it's so, and again, it. Uh, oh, y'all gonna tear up my DMs. E.T. Bowser, go there, holler at me. Again, this is not new. Dude's been, we've been doing this forever, but now because we're in a climate that is cancel culture and we're gonna drag you because you aren't rolling with whatever high and mighty wave we're on at the moment, then you're a bad person. Y'all were making trash. I said that, that I would just wanna love you song was trash in 2000. And they said that I was trash for saying that song was trash. Song seal trash. I hate it. it. I didn't need a think piece to tell me it was bad. I could tell you it was bad back then. And I don't feel that it's fair to... I mean, if he wants to apologize for... Again, we grow up. We mature. You got to realize a lot of these artists, when they're hot, they're like, you know, 18, 19, 20. We've all matured since then. Like, ugh, I'm about to turn freaking 40. I'm a different person than I was when I was 20. So with maturity, they can look back and say, yeah... That probably wasn't the the realest thing to do. But I want them to say it out of you know, coming from their own from the bottom of their own hearts and not just doing it so they can get some retweets and just so they can suck up to me too people. Are you authentic about it or are you just saying it just to for a little bit of clout, as my youth group kids say? Well, Two points here then. Uh, I'm glad I can still listen to Margarita by Ed's favorite artist, Sleepy Brown, because that song is not derogatory at all. And oh, really? <laughs> it's not. And number two, <laughs> next time Pharrell does a concert, Ed, I need you to put the lap dance video by NERD on a big screen and be like, you made this video. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man. Ugh. Anyways, guys, we've got a couple of new projects coming out next week. We've got Tank, who we'll talk about next week. Gallant, who we'll talk about next week as well. And then Tom, Calvin Richardson is dro- is, is dropping his new album next week as well. Are you rolling out the red carpet in the cell for Ed? 
Oh, my God. <laughs> and Calvin Richardson is huge down south, isn't he? What is it? I do not understand this mentality. Calvin Richardson just walks the, the streets of the deep south and they throw parades for him. <laughs> yeah. But someone did like tell me about it. He had like a book or something coming out. He's got something coming out that somebody was telling me about. So, yeah, he he moves heavy down here, but it's just interesting. I'll just leave it at that. Mm, um, okay. You're, <laughs> you're on to something, though, Kyle, because... Next week is some big releases. I've already written my reviews for Gallant and Tank, so we'll have a lot to discuss next week. I'll leave it at that. Well, I, w- I want to touch on this because this is pretty interesting. Like, how does an artist become big regionally but not nationally? Like, why is Calvin Richardson so big in the South? I mean, it's a lot of things. It's when it comes to an art, an area where you grow up, especially, it's especially big for hip-hop. So you've got an artist like a... Jadakiss, who is recognized if... I won't even go with Jadakiss. I, I have a better example. Fabulous. So you remember earlier this year when people were creating those weird old top 50 best rapper of all time lists. And I could tell where a person lived from where Fabulous was on that list. Because if you had Fabulous in your top 10, you from New York. Because even though Fabulous had love and respect it, Ain't nobody outside of New York putting him in top 10. But because of his sound, because he's more present there, you see him more, he's performing more concerts there, he's just more visible there, it's going to seem like his reach is bigger because we all live in a bubble. So if your bubble is there, you're going to think it's big. Whereas if you go down south, I guess Calvin Richards is around here popping, but for another hip-hop example, if you want to use a big crit, for example. He's someone who has music that speaks distinctly to like like things like things things that he plays a lot in the South. He'll be here in a couple weeks, so it seems like his reach is bigger than a New York where he may play more infrequently. And a lot of people are like I've never even heard of the guy. Whereas somewhere else, he's an institution. Music has always been somewhat regional, and it's just kind of been in the past few years, especially with the internet blurring the lines, that there are really no regions like they used to be. Same thing in R&B. Mm, good point. So, Tom, what's Calvin Richardson like in New York? <laughs> See, the thing you got to realize is um, he doesn't really do a lot of shows in New York or on the East Coast, from my understanding, up north. I mean, it's different up here, though. I mean, it has millions of people in New York City, but, like, New York City is a huge melting pot, so it's not like a small-town feel. Where everyone's on the same page. You got people from every single different culture and 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 um, country here. They don't. Most of them don't even listen to R and B. A lot of them don't even speak English. So, yeah, there's a lot of people here, but the, the, it's a minority of the number that actually listen to R and B here. So it's kind of deceiving to think about. So, someone like him who might be big regionally in in those small towns and down south in those cities where everyone's. It's not like this melting pot fields everyone's into the same things that's the way i look at it it's it's like have you ever thought about that ed no there's some truth to that and i think that's why when when we see things that to me like those lists for example and they always feel very regional and someone can create a list and your bubble will be like oh that's great that makes sense and then you see someone a few states away it's like um that makes no sense i've i've never even heard of this guy because, as to Tom's point, there are different sounds, different pockets. There are different pockets of 
There may be a pocket in a portion of the country that prefers a certain sound of music, a different style. If you go on the West Coast, they like that that hyphy stuff, or you can get kind of like the sound that um, why am I blanking on the sound that um, that um, what's the boy Snoop Dogg pioneered, G Funk, G Funk. Oh, I'm losing it. I had a long night, y'all. Chill out. So <laughs> when you have different areas that have cultivated their own sounds, have their own love for sounds, and even New York, as Tom said, is some a very it's a very tight area with a lots of diversity, but even New York has specific sounds in it as far as when you're talking about hip-hop. Maybe not so much R&B, definitely hip-hop. Even on the East Coast where I was in VA, there was a specific sound, and there were artists that I'd never even heard until I moved down here. So you get in your bubble, and you realize that artists that you grew up with that you thought were huge really might have only been huge in your area and not necessarily nationwide. So it's really deceptive in many ways, but it's also cool because you can understand, at least me, I've lived in Virginia for 20 years, Louisville for about 10 years, and then in Birmingham 10 years, different sounds in each area. And I kind of have been exposed to different sounds and I can understand why an artist is bigger in one area and wouldn't work in another because you have different cultures, different tastes, and what might be popping in one area might not pop in the other because they just aren't exposed to it. Yeah, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Shanti is recognized worldwide, so I'm, I'm tired of your regional talk. Can we oh, just move on from this? But she, she had radio hits, though. Calvin Richardson hasn't even had a radio hit, so That's it's true. not even the same thing. <laughs> also, Kyle is drunk. All right, all right. Um, can we get into the soul backtrack of the day here? Yes. So I'm going to do one that's pretty obscure and random, but I love this song. Can we go with Get Gone by Ideal? Yes. What a, it's, what a mm-hmm. coincidence. I was just listening to Ideal. Wow. I never actually liked that song, believe it or not. Yeah, it's not the it's not my favorite either, and I know that's the one that most people kind of gravitate to, to for them, but... I, it might, I don't even know if that's... Is that technically their biggest hit? My favorite is Whatever. Whatever is the joint that I loved. But hmm. Get Gone is the one that seems like people remember the most. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, can we do another soul back track of the day here? What you got? Mm-hmm. Can we go with the record Blue Cantrell, Hit Em Up Style? Why? <laughs> I don't know. I saw, Did you say why? I saw Ed ranting about Blue Cantrell recently, so. Oh my gosh, yes. I don't want to get on the blue. We're cool now. That was, <laughs> right. I won't, I won't get into that. Now, I, I mean, I, we keep talking about songs we don't really like. I didn't really like that song, but I will say that song was huge in 2001. I don't know why that song was so huge. That song was huge. I always thought it was really goofy, but it was huge. Yep. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Uh, but, guys, can we get into the Play a Please Awards now? Oh, we got a bunch to okay. choose from. Um, I, I want to bring this one up, Tom. We talked about this yesterday, but Nas, he made a statement yesterday. He said, you know what? I love that you guys show appreciation to Illmatic. And we've done so many different shows from like live band shows to symphony shows, etc., etc. But Nas essentially said... 
you know, I also have like 10 other albums that are just as great. Can we stop the love with this Illmatic album? And Tom, I'm going to put this on you. He says this, but he also keeps taking these offers to do these concerts to celebrate Illmatic. You can't grab the bag and also complain, can you? <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want money? I mean, I think he's rich though anyway because I read he made a lot off of investments like some other people, smart businessmen have been doing, but I don't know. If you don't like the album or don't want to celebrate anymore, then stop doing the shows. Isn't it as simple as that, Ed? It is, but I also understand his frustration because to your point, if somebody going to give you a bag, you're going to turn it down? Please. That album, as I have gone on record saying many, many, many times, to me is the best hip-hop album of all time. And in the conversation of one of the best albums, per, regardless of genre, ever. So I am all on board with that album being celebrated. But I kind of fell him a little bit. And I, re- and I was talking on Soul and Stereo Cypher on Facebook about this a little bit earlier today. And that I understand his frustration because it's the, I, I call it the thriller curse. You make this one album that is so incredible that no matter what you do after, good, bad, or indifferent, people will always say, well, it ain't Illmatic. And Nas, going back again to my list of the best, the best albums of the decade, Nas's um, Life is Good album came out 2012, I believe. I gave that album five stars. It's that good. It's incredible. Better than Jay-Z's 444 album. But people kept saying, well, it's not Illmatic. Well, no, it's not Illmatic, but that doesn't mean it's not incredible. So when you have something that this bar has been set that's impossible for you to clear, it is kind of annoying when when you just say, nah, it's Illmatic and nothing else. Because that is, especially as we get further and further away, and we get younger fans who have not explored his catalog, and they only know him as the guy who did Illmatic and has not checked his other stuff. I'm sure it's annoying. Like, dude, I did a bunch of stuff that was hot. Y'all celebrate that too. So he ain't going to turn down that bag, though. So you want to keep making Illmatic 10-year editions, 15-year editions, 20-year editions, he's going to be there to get that check. He's a smart mm-hmm. businessman, right. as Tom just said. All right, Ed, I'm going to challenge you. This is an experiment. Okay. So, name for me every Nas album in order and tell me the year they came out. Oh my gosh. I'm going to try to do this. Let's see let's see how well we know all the other albums here. Okay. I don't I know I definitely can name them. The years might get messed up. Nas Illmatic 94. It was written 96. I am 99. Nostradamus 99. Then he had like that Queensbridge finest thing that was probably like around 2000. I can't remember. Then Stillmatic 2001. Then Godson was like 2002 or 3. This is when my memory gets foggy. Then The Lost Tapes was around there somewhere. Then Streets Disciple was like maybe 04. Four. Then yep. Hip Hop is Dead was like Ah, this is getting hard. Oh six? Oh six oh seven? Yeah, oh six. Then then it was the untitled album. That was definitely oh eight. That was before yep. I moved here. Then it was 
was after that? You already named it earlier. And the oh, year. life is oh, life is good. Twenty twelve. Then, then was it the Nasir joint? Yep. That did was it. and Nasir was last year, and yep. then Lost Tapes Two was this year. Player, I'm the king. I might have messed up a couple <laughs> dates, but that was pretty close. No, you got the dates. The only one you were if you was Godson. It was O two. Oh, okay. There you go. So Kyle, Listen, there you, you go. You're talking to a Nas fan here. Wow. <laughs> Isn't the best Nas song Flying Angels? What? Oh. No, it's uh You Owe Me with Genuine. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, top my, three it's... Nas songs. Oh and top three Nas songs. Play You Owe Me, Flying Angels, and the Pledge remix. It's time to give <laughs> my boy um Montrez Jones and and Derek Dunn a call. We're going to have a new podcast. You two are fired. <laughs> Derek Good Barnes doesn't get a call anymore? Damn. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Poor guy. I think, I think Barry Barry. Barnes is depressed that, uh, that YK Osiris is just Bryson Tiller. We'll leave him alone. He probably is. Yep, yep. Anyways, can we uh, get into our next player, please, here? Yeah. Ed, Elton John of all people spoke out and said that new Lion King soundtrack was trash, which means Beyonce's music was trash. Ed? Now, I I saw people talking about this. Was he talking about the Beyonce album, or was he talking about the soundtrack to the movie? Because those are two different things. So I saw him what? say that, but I wasn't sure what he was talking about. I think it was the Beyonce album. I think he essentially said that the original soundtrack made a much bigger impact than the Beyonce one did, which is facts. Well, no, that's no question it's facts, but I also think that's not a fair comparison because if you're going to compare the two, you should compare the new Lion King soundtrack. The Beyonce album is a kind of like a offshoot of it, but it isn't a soundtrack for it because that has its own soundtrack. I mean, I agree with him that the Beyonce album was just okay at best. You see some Beehive folks hyping it up. And I'm sure they have not listened to that album in three months, if you have your line. But, hey, lying. You see what I did there. Anyway, <laughs> what I think he's saying, if he's comparing that to Beyonce, I don't think that's quite fair. But he ain't wrong. Either way, that first Lion King soundtrack better than anything from Lion King 2019. <laughs> yep. uh, guys, we just got a couple of player pleases left. Uh Ed, we'll be excited to give this player, please, to Tom's boy, Montrez Jones. Uh-oh, what did Montrez do? Uh, he claimed that Brandy's 211 album was, like, the best Brandy album. I know it's his opinion, but that deserves a player, please, right there, Ed. Dad, listen, that's my dog, but sorry, player. You're going to have to get one for this. Cake the L and, and go listen to Never Say Never, because that's the real <laughs> answer, not 211. Good Lord. Jeez. Ouch. That's like saying uh, your favorite sandwiches from Arby's. Like what? You can Arby's. do better. Yes, you can do better than that. Oh, Arby's. <laughs> don't they Damn. have fresh roast beef? Like what do they serve there? I don't know. They do have some good curly fries. Them things are hitting. I will <laughs> go. I will get those fries, <laughs> and that's it. This is true. Uh, Tom, the next player, please. Can I give a quick shout out here to my boy Music Solnik? Is that his name? Yeah. Yep. He does his R&B bangers. I think his name is JR. 
uh, he tweeted out something in response to in vogue all the original members plus the current members took a picture together and got the internet really excited and tom this play of pleas is for all the people that said i can't wait to hear new in vogue music it's been way too long tom didn't in vogue just put out an album like last year no oh, i don't think people acknowledged it or even knew about it unfortunately but that's how it goes in 2019 it's yeah, yeah, it's always funny when you have people that say, I'm a huge In Vogue fan, and you know, I can't wait until they put out music. It's been 15 years. You're a big fan. For a big fan, you sure didn't know they had an album like 11 months ago. And that album wasn't I'll bad. T- it was okay. I'll tell you what the real problem is, though. I mean, people, their type of fans are so used to getting their um, you know, new music from the, the radio. And they mm-hmm. did have a radio hit, but it wasn't huge. But still, they're not willing to do what it takes to find the new music and know what's keeping themselves informed. Like, they won't even come to the websites like ours, who we, we work so hard, and, and yours, Ed. We work so hard to keep people informed. They're too lazy to do that. So they, they were not willing to break the old habits, and then they act dumb when this, they hear about this gossip news on the Internet. Well, see, and Vogue that's, has returned. That's, what, what's the, that's why I don't buy this. I have had many conversations in the cipher where people who are like, you know, I don't feel like I should have to go online to find out new music. I feel like it should just be given to me. And I can understand that sense of entitlement because we all come from an era where hits, literal real hits, real classics were delivered in a silver platter to us on 106 in Park or Video Soul or the radio. That's not how the world works. But you have no, for even though you don't know the, the latest In Vogue song, you know about all the drama between In Vogue. And that's on the same internet, same Al Gore internets that you get the stuff from. So how come you can get the drama, but you can't get the actual music? That's what I'm confused by. Because if you can't, yep. oh, I ain't got time to, for, to go find all this music, but I got plenty of time to find the T. I need to figure out where your priorities lie. But mm-hmm. I'm just minding my business. Mm-hmm. Ed, are you excited for this new In Vogue reunion? Play uh, and now here I gonna be usual me. When it comes to In Vogue, I will get hyped when the album drops because we have we have seen this song and dance before where everybody's cool and everybody's on the same page. And when it's time for something to happen, Dawn disappears and then there's all this drama. So if it's gonna happen, I would like to see it happen cool, but I will be waiting on that the same day I wait on Confessions too. <laughs> Tom, can we get into the next play, please? I forgot about this. All right. Uh, Drew Hill, as we know, it might be over. Oh, no. Oh, boy. I forgot all about this. Thanks, Kyle, this for is actually, bringing down the room. This is actually not a joking manner, though. Seriously, it is not. Mental health issues yeah. are not a It joke, really is. It. Well, it's let sad me to see get... it play out live. Yeah, and we know... Uh, their manager, Kevin, shout outs to Kevin. He's helped us tremendously with interviews with Black, Smoke, and Nokio, actually, for our Soulback podcast. So, major shout out to Kevin, and of course, major shout out to Nokio. He was on the podcast. Good dude. But, man, I got to give a play of please to this whole ordeal. We hate to see stuff like this, and mental health is definitely a big issue. But basically, from my perspective, what happened was Nokio made a post that said, Special announcement at 8 p.m. And the following post was just him calling out his manager, calling him a snake, calling him, you know, trying to be the fifth member of the group. Tom, I hate to see this. I mean, you didn't even mention the fact that when we had Smokey and Black on this thing, Kevin, the manager, 
chimed in during the interview out of nowhere. That was pretty funny. <laughs> that was the first time I've ever heard that. A manager unmuted <laughs> himself and just started talking. So maybe he is the fifth member. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, it's sad to see, but this is nothing new for Drew Hill. If you if you go back to the beginning, they've had drama since pretty much the beginning, right? Yeah, Ed? pretty much. I mean, the whole situation just depressed me, and for different reasons. I hate, I hate, I hate that we are in a society and an era where stuff like this has to play out publicly. Now, I mean, I'm a I'm a journalist at heart, so of course I want to know why. If something happens, I want to know why, and this makes it very easy to see why. But just as a human, I don't like seeing this stuff play out. I don't like the drama with the manager. I don't like that we still don't have our Drew Player album yet that has been promised for it seems like the past year and a half. I'm not sure if that thing's going to see the light of day at this point. So it was just a kind of depressing thing overall. I'm, You know, I'm a huge fan of both groups, and I really, really wanted to see this project work. It just keeps getting derailed like every three months or something else. Well, on a plus note, maybe Woody and Jazz will come back now. Who knows? Um, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that's it for this week's podcast. We're going to get in trouble, I'm sure. But let's start with you, Ed. Aside from your birthday and turn, did you drink alcohol on your birthday? No, I'm not a as as most as you two know. I am not a big alcohol fan, and mainly because. Mess just tastes gross, dog. I'm not gonna drink something oh. that tastes nasty. <laughs> Man, it's come gross. On. My wife is always like, "Oh, try this, you'll like it." And I'm like, "It's gonna taste like," because she'll be like, "Oh, it tastes like Kool Aid. It tastes like Kool Aid that somebody put medicine in. That's not good." Mm. I want to drink some well, freaking Dima Tap. <laughs> I feel like a drunk Ed would go on like a never-ending rant. That That's what's really funny. <laughs> She actually said that too. She was like, "I don't know if I want to get you drunk because you would just like just start screaming at people on the street about why Keith Sweat should get a Grammy or something." I'm like, "That's exactly wow. what would happen." Well, Ed, the next time we're all together, Tom, you're gonna serve one of those uh, incredible Hulk drinks to us. We'll f okay. we'll have Ed up. <laughs> those days are over. Those days are over. All right, uh, Ed, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? Oh my goodness. Um, last week I had to kind of bounce out a little bit earlier because of work. Oh, being an adult is lame. But um, if you haven't already, go check out our list that we did last week with the 100 best R&B songs of the year. Also, the 30 best albums of the year. Go check that out. And coming up this Friday, we got a bunch of reviews. New reviews from Gallant and Tank. And I have lots to say about both of those albums. So check that out this coming Friday. Nice. Uh, Tom, for us, I recently interviewed Gallant, which I will post before his album drops. I also interviewed Harmony, Harmony Samuels, who's our boy, one of our favorite producers of this decade. So both will be up on the site relatively soon. And Tom, I know you had an exciting week. Weren't you on NPR? Yeah, NPR, the radio station reached out to us, asked us to join in a panel for a segment on R&B, the evolution of the genre. So that aired earlier this week. That was a cool moment to be on the panel, discuss all things R&B. Um, you know, NPR, one of the bigger independent stations, so it was cool to, you know, that they reached out to us. We we had no contact over there, so they just, I guess, found us and reached out. So that was a cool moment for us, for sure. Absolutely. And, Ed, you'll be very excited to know that there was a 50-year-old professor from Berkeley, I think it was, that was trying to, convince everyone that Frank Ocean was R&B and Tom wasn't having it. Oh, um, it was weird. I, 
I'm sure Tom was not, but I'm not surprised by that because, as I've said a million times, you want to call Channel Orange R&B, I'll give you that. But everything after that, absolutely. Play just put out a song today. That was not an R&B song. Tell me what was R&B about that song he dropped today. I'm sure neither you two did not listen to it and don't bother trying. <laughs> Dan, she right, went from right. talking about, she was a great guest as well, but she went from saying, admiring... Shaka Khan and Aretha Franklin are talking about how she loves Frank Ocean. It, that was just weird to me. I didn't get well, it. Well, Frank Ocean has a gigantic fan base. There was a portion of the fan base when I did my 30 best albums of the year, and I put Channel Orange up there, which like barely got up there. That would have been number 30 if I ranked it. But they were furious that I didn't put Blonde on the list. And I'm like, because it's not as good as the 30 albums here. That's why it's not on the list. It's just that simple. Damn. Fair enough. Well, guys, I think that's it for this week. Uh, we have clocked in at, let's see here, an hour and five minutes. So I think that means goodbye for all of us. Until next time, guys, we'll be back with another episode. And next week's going to be exciting because Ed will fuss about the Elevation album by Tank. But we got to get Tom to listen to it too <laughs> before then. So, so guys, right. I will see you next week. All right. Peace. We'll see you for more fussing. <laughs>